This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. It's Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras. I have a pretty interesting Mardi Gras story if you want to hear it real quick. Sure. Lay it on me. When I was about eight years old, my brother played baseball at Georgia Tech. He was a lot older than me, and he had a baseball tournament in Louisiana. So we went down to Mardi Gras, and my parents, for some reason, thought it'd be a good idea to take an eight-year-old to Bourbon Street. (laughs) On Mardi Gras? On Mardi Gras. Holy cow. first experience with beads. I'm walking (laughs) down the street as an eight-year-old. I look up to the balcony. There's a girl pulling her shirt. All the way up. She has it Absolutely. Up. She that's what they do. She makes eye contact with yeah. me, the eight-year-old, <laughs> whose eyes are wide. <laughs> First time I've ever seen boobs. Really? Well, maybe in a movie. I'm talking live action. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And she, in shame, starts to put her shirt back oh, down no. after, after making eye contact with an eight-year-old. And then a little while later, my mom had to pull me out of the front entrance of a strip club. <laughs> It was over. And I tell it my, was over for you. Yeah, I tell it was my, totally you who were wrong, though. That chick had every right. I mean, that was I wasn't her shaming her. I was enjoying the show. Yes, I know. I'm but like, she, she should have been like, what are you doing here? I'm, I'm here sure to she see was. them. I'm here to see you. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Keep going. You do know what Mardi Gras is, right? It's the time when eight-year-olds see breast for the first time. And other things, too. Do you know why they call it Mardi Gras? No, I don't. It's Fat Tuesday in French. Gras is fat, I guess. Marty is merdy, whatever. Is uh, French for Tuesday. And it's because tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. And that's the first day of Lent. And Lent is when people give stuff up. And there are also rules about fasting and abstinence. Like tomorrow I can't eat meat or eat in between meals, for example. It's a Catholic thing. It's a Catholic thing. I think other Christian religions have it. It's the 40 days leading up to Easter. Okay. So you kind of like purge yourself, whatever, out of respect for the crucifixion, all that. So you people go kind of crazy because they know, and I mean, this is like exactly my situation. So the thing I love the most, next to actual human beings, are cocktails, delicious cocktails. And I'm giving them up for Lent. Yes. I know, and I have a blog, Monica Mixes, with all my beautiful cocktail pictures and my favorite recipes, and I I actually post so often to that that it alarms my friends who are just like, are you actually posting every time you're making one of these? (laughs) Yes, yes, I am. (laughs) So there'll be a terrible dearth of cocktail recipes for the next 46 days, technically. So tonight I have to have... As many cocktails as I can possibly. Oh, that's why I get the... so crazy on. That's why I get so crazy on Mardi Gras, and I believe I, I met my husband at his Mardi Gras party. Really? Yes, and I think I was the you last, believe you last met him. woman. St- I think so. Yes, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. The last woman standing. I must say, he was quite impressed. That's, that's how. That's how the selection <laughs> that's process works. It's kind of like it's kind of like leaving Las Vegas. You know, it was like, <laughs> hey, I, you're my kind of gal. <laughs> Yeah, that really was kind of the selection process. Anyway, so, but I guess with all that uh, nudity and revelry tonight, people will be maybe a little more subdued than usual as yesterday. We're going to switch gears to coronavirus. Oh, my gosh. 
today's right. going to be a day when the coronavirus spreads a lot because of the drunken debauchery. So what did you name yesterday's show? Which you know, one? I mean, we do a lot of shows, our DNB. We do a lot of shows, so you, and you always give great titles, but go find it if you need to. Tell me what you named it. I'll have to look and see. I don't remember. Yeah. No, I know, because you're producing a lot of content here, and things get lost in the sauce. But this is yesterday. So today is February 25th. Look for February 24th. Last thing at thepropreport.com. Coronavirus flashpoint? Yep. So today in the Wall Street Journal... I'm reading a quote today. The large outbreaks outside China suggest that the epidemic has reached a tipping point. Wow. In which the global spread of the virus is inevitable, some infectious disease experts say. Right? I mean, are we just like ahead of this? So then after that, after we did our DNB, our drive time news blast, we did a coronavirus special report because we've gotten a lot of requests for, hey, now that my 401k just fell and the stock market crashed a thousand points in one day, the only, only the third time that's happened in history, I think. Now that that is happening, this shit is real. And uh, what, what were you saying about it? <laughs> so we have covered it so much. We've for sure covered it for a long, you know, probably two hours worth of material, but in bits and pieces. So yesterday we did, I think, like a 45 minute propaganda report, special report. On the coronavirus. You can find it at thepropreport.com or at Propaganda Report on uh, any of your podcasting feeds. And what we talked about was the Event 201 live simulation of a novel coronavirus that was rolled out in October. I can't go over it every single time, but suffice it to say, it was run by Johns Hopkins, Bill and Melinda Gates, and the World Economic Forum. And there were 15 people there at the roundtable, plus the administrators that included a guy named Tom Inglesby, the director of the Center for Health Security at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, Mike Ryan, the WHO's chief of health emergencies, and various people from the UN. Is Bloomberg School? Is that? That's he just financed the school. Okay. So these guys, there were 15 people and a couple of administrators, maybe 20 people sitting at a round table conducting this event 201 for the purposes of waking people up to how the, a pandemic would hit home and affect them and that they should get together and make agreements with governments, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So we did this special report yesterday just about how like the event 201 thing is weirdly rolling out in the real coronavirus. Let's hope to God it doesn't end the way that thing ended, but part of it was a 30 to 40% crash in the market, 65 million deaths, which I think is not going to happen under any circumstances. But the people get this. So right after in that, in that article I was reading from the Wall Street Journal that said the tipping point, that paragraph, the next paragraph, I just tweeted a picture of my newspaper. And the next line is, this is the next paragraph. I don't think it can be contained at this point, said Tom Inglesby, director of the Center for Health Security at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. <laughs> yeah. That's in today's Wall Street Journal. And then the next paragraph after that one is the WHO said it isn't clear 
whether a worldwide spread is inevitable. The virus could be contained, develop a regular pattern of continual or seasonal transmission, or become a pandemic, said Michael Ryan, the WHO's chief of health emergencies. We can get a news conference. These are the guys who ran the simulation a month before the novel coronavirus supposedly actually happened. Really? That, so tell me, was this person, Dr. Nancy, looks like Meisner, who said, we're asking the American public to prepare for the expectation that this might be bad. She's a CDC official. And then she said, it's not so much a question of if this will happen in this country anymore, but a question of when this will happen in this country. Actually, she's the director of the National Center for Respiratory Diseases. So, yeah. Is she the one who's asking us to prepare to tell a school? There's a CDC. I thought the CDC person said to tell a school. Well, she wasn't involved in the event 201. What I'm saying is these, these two people, people involved, yeah. who are being quoted in the Wall Street Journal today signaling the tipping point are the two guys who ran the live simulation. I mean, if wow. they were for reals, they could at least say, hey, man, it's like it's like when you see these drills go live, the shooting drills and like a police chief, some like befuddled police chief said, you know, it's amazing. Like two weeks before the FBI came and we did a live scenario of this exact thing. Like I'm I'm befuddled, like the L.A. airport shooting. The guys get up and they're just like, it's amazing this really happened. And then you see the FBI guy in the background, like rolling his eyes, like, oh my gosh, this guy's so stupid. If these guys really didn't mean for that to, if they're really surprised at the connection, they would have said, you know, amazingly, we just ran a simulation of this and we are thinking about things we learned from it, as you have suggested, Binkley, like, did they learn nothing? Like, why are they not even referencing it? Why are they still making the same stupid mistakes? I could literally be, I, it's just amazing how every day has the exact same things, uh, same parallels. One thing that they're pushing now is, or I, I would say the event one thing was talking about stuff that we're short of, stuff that we need to mobilize for, push money on. And one thing that I think is going to be emphasized is the need to have more tests to stockpile tests. There aren't enough tests so they have they keep making errors over diagnosing it. I and saw then, where there's only yeah like twelve test kits or something. Only twelve states have test kits or some, something similar to what you're talking about. Yeah, I saw they don't want the test about. kits because if they have the actual test kits, they can't grossly overdiagnose it. So what I want to see is year over year flu cases, year over year deaths from flu, year over year pneumonia cases, and year over year deaths from pneumonia by country, so that if it's actually up by exactly the amount that we are being told coronavirus is, then you could say, oh, this is something extra. But if it's flat or if it's similar to last year's incidence of these diseases, then you could safely say, well, you're clearly over-diagnosing and including other causes of flu and pneumonia. Yeah. So that is a big source of the errors here. And uh, as you mentioned yesterday, the Trump administration is asking Congress to approve roughly $1.8 billion, but up to $2.5 billion, mostly to yeah. develop a vaccine and protective gear stockpile. And Pelosi and Schumer say it's not enough. They say that's not right, enough. Right, and Schumer actually says government incompetence. Again, Event 201 theme. Another line straight out of Event 201 in today's paper. For weeks, however, it appeared that the virus was mostly contained. 
That was straight out of event 201. And that's Very why I said yesterday, we're there for the flashpoint. We're there for the, we're, we're yeah. approaching the flashpoint. Yeah, you nailed it. It's been very I predictive. I mean, I nailed the day, which is amazing because it really was supposed to be in May if it was really parallel. But I was like, I don't know, man. It looks like. They that- started those reports about the numbers going down in China about a week ago or so. And that's when it started to, the disease has jumped. It's jumped overseas, and now it's showing up with no connection to China, and people are scared. Well, that is the thing that they're saying, is that it actually defines in the journal, it says, a pandemic is defined as widespread transmission on multiple continents with impacts on society. Whatever. With impacts on society. A couple of things happened with the coronavirus yesterday that I found interesting, or today. Iran has become a hotbed. It has the second most number of deaths outside of China. An Iranian official who was on television talking about the coronavirus, telling the latest updates, appeared ill on television and has now tested positive for the coronavirus and was standing next to other Iranian officials while appearing ill on national television. I expect this theme potentially to increase where we see some public officials coming down with it. I do find it interesting that China and Iran, two people that we are in heavy conflict with, supposedly, supposedly have the largest number of deaths coming out of their countries. Yeah. The Iran thing, I'm telling you, I, I just, just, uh, started awake when they played into that Ukrainian plane being shot down thing and made fools of themselves and whatever. And I'm now, uh, my theory to beat is that Soleimani was killed by us for them because he was a true believer and those guys are a bunch of sellouts and that Iran is really there just to be our great Satan so that we can have our way with every place in between Israel and Iran. So Iran, I think, completely plays the game. I no longer think that we're actually, that they are really defending their people. We're actually trying to start a war with them. But you know who I, uh, I think will die of coronavirus? Who? Harvey Weinstein. You think Harvey Weinstein's going to get the coronavirus? <laughs> I think he might. Potentially. Here's what I think. He's been having chest pains, they say. Yeah, okay. Well, I, at, first, at first I thought it would be a heart attack. So yesterday he was, he was, um, he wasn't sentenced, but he was convicted. And he was ordered to go to jail until the sentencing in a week or two. So he went to the jail in Rikers Island, but then he was twi- at the hospital in Rikers Island because he started having chest pains. And then he was quickly transferred to Bellevue, which is the big hospital in New York, where, I mean, it's like probably like Jeffrey Epstein going to prison, like they build his own little suite there. But the thought occurred to me, because I just do not think that Harvey Weinstein is going to really just go serve hard time for this. I just can't see it. I just feel like this is somehow a game and that perhaps he will, quote, die of a heart attack or coronavirus, whatever. I really thought it was a heart attack and then end up, you know, on some island with a little facial reconstruction surgery with Jeffrey Epstein sipping uh (laughs) <laughs> Lolita specials. Based on that testimony, he's going to have to do some reconstruction surgery of other parts of his body as well if he yeah. wants to be unrecognizable. Yeah. I wonder yeah. how many nurses got groped during his hospital visit. I don't know, but I I did notice that one very, very common theme in the reporting on this Weinstein case is that it's going to change how we view and prosecute these kind of cases. So it goes on and on about how there should no longer be 
expectations of evidence or of behaviors. So a woman who continues to have a sexual relationship with him is uh, reflecting a psychological phenomenon and that behavior, other people impacting her credibility, the lack of physical evidence, the amount of time that has passed, where it has happened, all of these things should not hold the weight. We now see that juries will still convict someone even if all that stuff is against them. This is a victory for me too. But I would say it's terrible because what it's doing is taking away this idea of reasonable doubt. It's doing what psychology and sociology, but in this case, psychology always does, which is telling us that we can't believe our own common sense, that we can't believe the evidence of our own eyes, that people act like they're your girlfriend and really what you're just doing is raping her. And I feel like this kind of thing can be used just like I've been observing internationally with this uh, anti-corruption efforts. If you want to take somebody out, accuse him of corruption, and you could just bankrupt him in having to defend himself or take something that absolutely everybody does, like every political leader or oligarch could be, certainly many, many, many are guilty of corruption, just like a lot of these guys are guilty of the casting couch. And then you get to pick and choose who you want to, whom you want to prosecute for this stuff to take them out. So this is again, a failure of the rule of law where the law is not applied evenly to everyone. It can be used as a political or even a business weapon. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Me Too was all about. People were targeted based on politics as hit jobs. Not to say that they didn't do things. Weinstein was legitimate. I don't know. What do you mean? What was well, why, the Weinstein's claims seem to be legitimate on the surface against him? Against him, yes. I'm not sure. I think it was casting couch stuff. I think Even it was McGowan, casting couch. I think it was Even casting McGowan couch stuff. Even McGowan said too, to yeah. that lawyer who killed herself, "I feel I regret it." He yeah. he. I slept with him, and I feel disgusting, and I regret it. And the lawyer reported it and said, "Yes, he should not have done that to you. That's wrong." And then McGowan changed her story. I mean, if you're to believe what the lawyer had reported and the lawyer ended up dead. I'm not saying there was See, evidence Anthony Bourdain presented. ended up dead, too. I'm not saying there was evidence in court that would have convicted him. I'm saying that. No, I, I'm not I, saying that. either. I personally think that he probably did rape people. That's my oh, personal. That's I my don't. personal speculation of it. I don't think he's a good dude, but I think you're right about the. I Me think Too he thing. coerced people. And even in the case that he lost it, the woman who he was found guilty of, quote, raping, said it was not physical force. Oh, yeah. I know that there's definitely there was people were girl. Women were girlfriends with him for an extended period of time. There was a quid pro quo, if you will. I mean, is it on. possible to rape someone without using physical force? I guess that's so. what he was convicted. Of. I guess so. That, that <laughs> yeah. you're right. That does definitely change the legal landscape of sexual crimes. I saw a video yesterday. It was this Ohio State. I have one more coronavirus thing. I want to get back to in a second. Don't oh, let me sorry, forget that. sorry, sorry, sorry. This Ohio State case where these football players have been arrested and kicked off the team for raping a girl, and their defense was that they got the girl on camera consenting, and apparently. They forced her to consent after the fact, and she's crying on oh, the camera. So that oh, that's probably not that's good awful. evidence to present in your defense. Yeah. However, it sparked a conversation about should we be getting on-camera consent prior to sex? 
which was interesting because there was an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm about a week before where Larry David is having interaction with this. Every time he goes to a woman, he's like, ah, I don't know if I should touch you. And he, and he goes, do you mind if I put this camera up? And we, uh, we tell everybody on the camera that how far we're going to go. And so he's like, I'm touching her, her chest. Are you okay with that? And she's like, yes, I'm okay with that. And they're talking about apps, building apps to do this type of stuff. To basically yeah. record these sexual interactions from start to finish. Yeah, I really don't know how this is going to go. Like, I, I definitely see how it can be used as a weapon against men. And I and I, I do believe that there is a kind of upending in the business and power. And I, and I don't trust it as, like, really trying to get women to be in positions of power. I know that to get on a board, there are some board searches. I was talking to a headhunter about this some board searches that they cannot interview anyone for a board position who isn't a female. So regardless if you're, it, it was kind of like what the, the wrinkle in time director said about Stephen King, like, how dare you put merit above identity? And it's like, well, it's, you know, you might actually need someone with the best merit and you shouldn't hold identity against someone. And certainly on the margin, if you want to just pick the person of the identity you prefer, as long as it's an identity that it's okay to prefer, you know, that 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 would work. But so you see it and you see there there is this actual transition, transformation at the top of women taking positions being over promoted. It's called the Peter principle, where you get promoted and promoted and promoted. You do great job, great job, great job. But your last promotion, you get promoted in a job that's over your head. So then you suck and fail. And that is a big problem. And that's a yeah. problem that Thomas Sowell has brought up about affirmative action, is that you get like the star student and you put him in a school that's just a little bit too hard for him. And the and it comes down, and then all of a sudden, this kid who was really great and had a lot of confidence now is a failure or struggling. Yeah. And I and because I believe it's predictable that that will happen, I wonder if if this move to get women on the top like that arbitrarily is a way to to really concentrate power in like the oligarch's hands, something like that. Like just to, to really concentrate money and power at the top. If even the highest levels of business are run by uh, political puppets or incompetent people who need a lot of back shadow handholding, who are really face jobs. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like carpet bagging maybe, you know, where you, you think that the person who's running the show is, is one of you or is, is a triumph for identity and really it's just somebody who's who needs a lot of support and couldn't do it without you and and then they are beholden to you so i don't know i just Compromise. i feel like this yeah i feel like or or, de, or in, uh, dependent yeah yeah and compromised and owned or what i really don't know i'm yeah. I go a little beyond where I, i'm speculating but i for sure smell a rat with this stuff and i do not think it's just a bunch of militant feminists winning. I do not think. That's yeah, what I don't we're either. Here. I don't either. Let me get this last coronavirus thing. Yeah, sorry about out, that. Out I real quick. The, gun. the World Health Organization is praising China's efforts, saying that they changed the course of the outbreak. 
one of the World Health Organization guys, he was talking about how this was a rapidly spreading disease, and they sent a team of 25 people over to China, to Wuhan, to study what China was doing, and they came out and said it's the unanimous assessment of the team that China has changed the course of the outbreak. What was rapidly escalating has plateaued and then come down faster than one would have expected, saying that thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in China did not get the coronavirus because of China's response. So in other words, they are promoting the draconian measures where they are literally tracking people everywhere they go, having their family out them if they cough, having drones follow them around. So as we spoke about and anticipated, these measures are now being, I would say, sanctioned. And if the outbreak spreads further, we're going to see this promoted in other countries possibly here right, that's those numbers obviously complete bull you absolutely cannot know what yeah didn't happen right, right? that's funny because i was trying to figure out the significance of another article I, I read an entire article and mentions in other articles about italy italy was the one country to just come down right away stop all yeah. travel from china quarantine people like of all the european countries they did all the right things within the parameters of a social democracy, of course, and it's being hit the hardest. I mean, and so I was like, okay, it seems like the message here is even a good government can't do it alone. And I would say an incompetent government can't do it and a good government can't do it, but a bad government can do it. I saw another article <laughs> that was titled Coronavirus Will Be Harder to Contain in a democracy. Are you kidding me? No. Right, meow? No. I love right. the way you said titled instead of entitled. Titled. It's crazy when people say an article is entitled. Article is entitled to anything it wants. <laughs> yes, exactly. The article is titled. If you could find that, I really. I, I will try to find it. I remember that's I saw awesome that. and terrible at the same time. <laughs> but can I tell you something that is awesome and terrible at the same time? Actually, now that I think about it. What's that? The election? No, last night was a big celebration of life in the Staples Center for Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, which in Italian, I really thought that was Gianna, but her, her own mother said Gianna. So I stand corrected on that. Uh, the only thing I will say is Vanessa Bryant, this was four weeks, I think, to the day that her 13-year-old daughter and her husband slammed into the side of a mountain in a helicopter with some other people and died. And she got up there and she eulogized them in front of tens of thousands of people. And you could say like she, I mean, how she held it together. I, mean, I have to say I had a devastating experience, which turned out actually to be fine. I'm lucky. But when my son was born with Down syndrome, he was my first child and I did not know that he, I had not known ahead of time. So I was never so shocked and devastated in my entire life. And I looked inside, I think I've told you this before, I looked inside myself to find like the bootstraps, you know, to grab hold of and pull yeah. myself up. And, and all I saw, I remember it. I remember just an entire, just blackness. I just looked inside myself and saw nothing but blackness. I couldn't even get dressed for three days. That's how bad it was. And I think four weeks out, your 13-year-old, I mean, even if you think, well, maybe that guy gave her a hard time and she didn't really, you know, who knows what was going on. Your 13-year-old daughter, 
she gave that speech. I mean, what a dignity that chick has and strength. And I just was overwhelmed with admiration. And, you know, she's obviously not my style chick. I mean, she's like, uh, you know, long fingernails. Her hair was in front of her face. And, you know, I'm sure we would have no political overlap whatsoever. But you've got to give somebody their due. She is she's a rock, man. And I was really moved by her. Jordan spoke after her and he was crying. Oh, he was a wreck. He was a mess. He made the comment <laughs> about how he's given the world another Jordan crying me. <laughs> yes. Which is true. Uh, no, I know. I know. I just, you know, now that's a triumph for me too. That it demonstrates, you know, that's the kind of woman who could win a war. You know, like that's the kind of, that's the kind of woman behind the man thing that there's no shame in. And if that's your role, that's your role. I just like to give people credit for what they. Yeah. Yeah. She's really strong character. And it would appear. Yeah. It would appear. Anyway. Yeah. She held it together fantastically. Maybe it was just a deep fake. Perhaps it was a deep fake. Maybe an AI generated deep fake. I think I know where you're going, but I, I'd prefer to go to the, the predicted story. The story. Come with on, the, but the, I had a segue, I know it was man. A good That's segue, what I like to but do. But this story is more relevant for it's today. It's the art of the segue. I don't have a lot of. Like... It was a great segue, and I knew this <laughs> Super, was going to happen because I, I anticipated superhero this. Superhero talent. <laughs> This story, we can hit that one tomorrow. This okay. The betting markets for the debate, I've been following these, and I think it's interesting. I think we should start talking about the bets that they're promoting each time they have a debate or some other political event. There's this website called predictit.org, which is sponsored by all the all the regular people, you know, all the like CNN and all the big networks yeah. and everybody promotes this betting network. We talk about politics as sports. This is politics as sports. <laughs> Everything you can think of, you can gamble on when it comes to politics and the news. In fact, I'm starting to expect that one day I'm going to get how many people are going to get the coronavirus and where today. Oh, we'll see yeah. Over under. But that, that's going to be on the, in the black market. The black that's market only going to be illegal betting. Here are some of the bets that are being promoted for tonight's debate, which we just had a debate what last week. What is it? Yeah. It's, it's the same people? It's the same people. It's another debate. Does Bloomberg stand on a box? Bloomberg's like, going to be there. Maybe on a box You know who stands again? on a box? Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. Actually stands Let's on see, a box. He stands I've on one. It. He will not touch one, though. Dude. So Dude. here's the predictit.com market. <laughs> Will the debaters say Castro or Cuba? Which one will they say more? Because they're going to be attacking really? Bernie Sanders. Yeah, 49% say Cuba. It's weird. It's like buying stocks. If most people are betting that he's going to say Cuba, then that stock is going yeah, to raise up to like odds, 75% yeah. and it's 25, or 20, 75 cents is 25 cents. I always wonder when Castro. you do that, I don't know how betting works in that. <clears throat> I think it works where it's the final thing. So if you buy in early, and you get better odds when you buy your, when you place your yes, bet. Exactly. Do you lock in your odds or do the odds change at like post time? Because in bet, I think in horse racing, you get what the post time odds were. You don't get the odds that you locked in. I can tell you how this I don't works. Know. Yeah. Here, so here's what this one says this says most speaking time for Democrats during the debate. And 49 cents is Bernie Sanders. 26 cents is Elizabeth Warren. So Elizabeth Warren has people think less people think she's going to have more speaking time. So if you want to make money, you can buy 
as much as you want for 26 cents of Elizabeth Warren having the most speaking so time. So even if that gets cheaper or more expensive, you've locked in 26 yes, cents. Yes, exactly, for it. what you've bought, yes. Got it, okay. And then the other questions are, least speaking time at, 60, at 67 cents is Tom Steyer, and at 18 cents is Michael Bloomberg. Then Hold on. So Bloomberg isn't going to have the least. Tom Steyer, I heard an ad of his where he says, the ad says, we're going to kick Trump's ass on the economy. <laughs> My, you know, like that, you know, isn't vulgarity supposed to at least plausibly have some spontaneous element to it? I heard. It's scripted. It's ridiculous. It just looks, you know, they really ruined vulgarity. I, <laughs> I hate that. I, it's probably people that listen to us that also listen to Ben Shapiro. I was listening to him what? the other day. Probably some. There's probably a small. There's probably some that listen to it. Ben right, Shapiro. Well, I don't listen to him, so I don't know. Ben Shapiro is a. I was a virgin till I got married. Guy, he doesn't swear. A religious guy on his show a couple days ago, he used asshole and he bleeped it out, and it felt totally scripted. It felt totally the same thing that Bloomberg and everybody else is doing, forcing vulgarity. And I'm going, we used vulgarity before vulgarity was cool. <laughs> been trying to quit vulgarity quit for like vulgarity. 20 years the closest i've ever come to quitting vulgarity is when i heard these guys all say it when i, right. when I hear anderson cooper say shithole he i'm like it. you know what anderson cooper Get said it. bullshit i think it was two days ago during to rod blagojevich yeah yeah rod that's blagojevich. the one here are the, the other ones launches the trumpocrat movement right. i love it so debaters will say billionaire 28 cents for three times. So who do you think? Do they have the uh, a kind of over-under on who's going to be the master debater? No. These are the who's six they win? have. The next one is debaters who will say African-American. At 24 cents, six debaters. They think six candidates will. And at 23 you know, cents, they think four of them will. Mm-hmm. And then debaters that will say socialism or socialist. 27 cents say four of them will. And 25 cents say three of them will. So this is sports. This is the arena. This is the Coliseum. And they have now really monetized it in a shameful way. Although, I'm going to dive into some of this, I think. Uh, it's the, you know why they're doing it? Why are they doing Keep it? Keep it interesting. <laughs> it's the only way you're going to get people to watch it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how it works with sports. Too. Yeah, you're like, exactly right. The, it's the only way you're going to get that's people to watch it. That's the only way it keeps, it's like... <laughs> I watching the Bulls on January first back when I was a kid. I didn't care yeah. about any of the teams, but I always yeah. bet on them, and that's the only oh, reason I watched. Didn't I tell you about the Kentucky Derby? So when for, when we first moved to Atlanta, my plumber, who was a friend of mine, he used to come over even when there's nothing to do. He was a real Baptist, and my mother, super Catholic, just sits there for like four hours with her missile and her rosary and stuff like that. But she loves horse racing, so we got all the kids. My had little kids, and all the all the kids came in from the neighborhood. Little kids to watch the Kentucky Derby with her. And she gave them each, they, she put a dollar in for each of them and gave them each a number, which their horse was. So we have all these kids, like five-year-olds, eight-year-olds, whatever, just jumping up and down, watching the Kentucky Derby. Come on, seven! Come on, seven! She tried to do it like what age you were. So we were looking for like two-year-olds and stuff. <laughs> This, the plumber is standing there like, you know, it's sin. It's a sin. You know, she, she was corrupting the youth. But... Those kids, they're probably, I wouldn't be surprised if every one of those kids still watch the Kentucky Derby. One of the best memories of my life was when I got secretariat. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, I know. It's really a paradox because she's such a good woman. Reminds me of 
Kramer's gambling addiction in Seinfeld. He'll he'll bet on when a plane's gonna arrive in the airport if it's My gonna be on time like or not. That too. Yeah. So it is Share the Show Tuesday. Share the Show Tuesday. Tuesday. Share the Show Fat Tuesday. And what I'm gonna suggest, you really want to turn people onto this show. I suggest people share not only this show, but share the coronavirus propaganda report special report that we did yesterday. You can find it at thepropreport.com or wherever you find propaganda report. Don't you think, Binkley? Yeah, just the way that came out. Share the coronavirus show. (laughs) Share the coronavirus show. Not the virus itself. Share the Well, you know what? I I really like that Eventual One put out a little coronavirus plushie. So you can show people you care by giving them the coronavirus, but they don't actually get sick. So I think that's just a nice compromise. Best of both worlds. The best of both worlds. If you don't know what we're talking about, we have a picture of that plushie uh, on the prop report. So share it, baby. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you tomorrow.